Hello everyone, welcome to A Millennial Learns. Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode. It always feels good to be sitting down and recording. You know, it's like 8.30 at night, my baby is asleep, my husband is playing Xbox, <laughs> and I get an hour or, you know, however long this takes to sit down in a dimly lit <laughs> ambiance, you know, ambient, whatever. There's a lot of ambiance in this room. I'm just sitting here relaxing and recording and I love it. So thank you all for listening because, you know, I've done this podcast now for like three years and honestly, I would do it if zero people listened. I think I just love learning about stuff and I love summarizing things. And this podcast has really, really helped with just my speaking skills, I think, like on meetings and in my professional life and stuff like that and just being more confident like whenever I'm nervous in a meeting sorry this is a little bit of a side tangent but whenever I'm nervous in a meeting I actually just pretend that I'm recording a podcast because I work remote and so whenever I'm presenting on a big meeting it's usually just me in my house on my computer through zoom or whatever so I just you know pretend I'm on the podcast and I'm just kind of talking out to you all and it really helps so all that to say thank you for listening and uh sticking by the podcast and being here and i really appreciate it so if you are listening and you have not followed like hit the follow button or the subscribe button on whatever platform you are listening to please go ahead and do that i would love to boost that number of followers on spotify so we can push it out to more listeners And then also, if you're feeling really generous, if you would want to go give the podcast a good review on Apple Podcasts, that would be, well, you can give it a a five stars on Spotify as well. But if you want to write a little blurb, you can do that on Apple Podcasts. So I would really appreciate that. Uh, Today we were talking about the history of Arizona. So if you are new to the podcast, basically I've done a series really for the last like two years. Um, because I ended up spreading them out, but we are talking about each state in the United States in the order that they joined the Union. We are really wrapping it up here. We are on the 48th out of 50 states. So we were talking about Arizona today. It's going to be fun, very interesting history, as always. I'm always fascinated by, you know, when states got added, how late they got added, why they got added. Um, to the union and it's just kind of fascinating. So I uh, think we'll just get right into it. So welcome to the history of Arizona. Before we get into the actual historical timeline, like the full history, let's talk a little bit about like the geography, the population, just the facts of Arizona and what it's like today. So the capital of Arizona is Phoenix. It became a state on February 4th, 1912. And every week I tell you that like we're not going to talk about the historical stuff yet and then I immediately give you a historical date. So that's just your one historical tidbit for the full um, timeline. Uh, 
so again, this was the last state of the contiguous U.S. that was admitted into the Union. So after this, it was just Alaska and Hawaii. So if you ever get a trivia question about which contiguous state was admitted last, it is Arizona. Um, why is Arizona named Arizona? It says that the name was probably derived from a native place that sounded like Alizon or Alishonak, which meant sm small spring or place of the small spring. There's debate though about why it's named that because there was also, I also saw an article that said that the name may have come from a, an explorer named Juan Bautista de Anza who called it the place of oaks. They also thought it could come from pop, the Papago Native American words that translate to place of the young spring. So um, there's a couple different things that they think it could have come from, but I think the, the closest thing they have to a consensus is the native word of the place of the young spring. The state motto is Dida De, which means God enriches. Didat De. Anyway, God enriches is what that translates to. The nickname is the Grand Canyon State, and about 5 million people visit the state's nickname, which is the Grand Canyon, each year. It is 277 miles long. I have not been to the Grand Canyon, and I would like to go, although seems like a long way to go to see pictures of like I've seen pictures of it online and I think my family members have gone and I've seen pictures of it then and I do think it would be really cool to see but it, it seems like a long way to go to see that um, but I could be wrong it could be totally totally worth it uh, the population is about 7.1 million people which me makes it 33rd ranked of the US states in population density Okay, let's talk geography. Obviously, we have the big Grand Canyon. Okay, that's... Oh, hold on, I guess... Oh, sorry. Okay. As you can probably tell by now, if you're new, I don't really edit my podcasts. I just go for it, so I will try to keep my sneezes away from the mic. Oh my gosh, why am I sneezing? I might have to pause if this keeps happening. Okay. Geography. So Arizona is bordered by Nevada in the northwest, Utah in the north, New Mexico in the east, Mexico in the south, and California in the west. Okay, big geographical feature. Obviously, the Grand Canyon snakes through the northwestern corner of the state in an area called the Colorado Plateau. It is carved by the Colorado River, and the canyon plunges 6,000 feet down at its deepest point and stretches 18 miles wide. That is the craziest part, that parts of it are 18 miles wide. I always imagine it as like a big canyon that's maybe like two miles wide. <laughs> you know, it's pretty wide in some parts. In the northeast, the Painted Desert shows off over 160 miles of colorful, horizontally striped stone, as well as 200 million year old fossilized plants and animals in the Petrified Forest National Park. Basin and Range Province covers the rest of the state, and it includes the Sonoran Desert, and it extends over several other states. I'm sure I said Sonoran Desert wrong, so my bad. Okay, climate. 
Uh, yeah, it, well, okay, this is very interesting. When you think of Arizona, I should say when I think of Arizona, I think of the most uncomfortable state possible. I think of 120 degree summers and no one wants to be there. However, this is ranked as one of the higher comfort indexes in the country. So let's go over the stats. There's 12 inches of rain per year. The national average is 38. So significantly less rain, hence the desert. There are about six inches of snow, which I would assume zero, but there are about six inches of snow and the national average is 28 inches, 286 sunny days. Okay, the average is 205. You now know why people do the, what's it called when you, um, when like, when people escape the winter and go towards snowbirds. This is why people are snowbirds because there are so many sunny days there and there's not a lot of snow and you know, it's just great. Like in Colorado, our summer high gets pretty high, but not crazy like Arizona. In the winter, we get pretty cold and pretty snowy. So I would understand why people would then want to leave Colorado, go to Arizona, which is a popular thing, spend a nice mild winter in Arizona and come back for the Colorado summer, like spring summer. Because the summer high in Arizona is 99. Now that's an average, that is not like the absolute high. The absolute high can get well over 100. And so you can't catch me in an Arizona summer. There's just no way I could survive that. Um, but the winter low is 34. So very mild winter. So this makes sense for the snowbirds for sure. The humidity doesn't get really get past or doesn't get really higher than 55%. So the comfort index is a solid, very, very solid 7.5. Very unexpected in my opinion. Now, if you're new to the comfort index, I should just mention again that the average of all states, like how they kind of baseline is 7.0. Now 7.5 might not seem like a big leap, but they do not have a lot of variation here because most states with an amazing summer have like a terrible winter and vice versa. Some places are way too humid you know, there's a lot of issues that these states have. And so usually we're hanging around at like 7.2, 6.8 in that range. 7.5 is one of the higher ones that I've seen. So that's kind of impressive actually. Okay, we are to the point in the show where we are going to be talking about the history, the actual history. Now there's like a whole prehistory section that I'm not going to go into. I'm hoping to do an episode of like, because a lot of this is like Native Americans and their movement and it's very detailed. I'm hoping to do a whole episode about like Native Americans in the U.S. before, you know, obviously the U.S. became uh, a thing and show like their movement. And I just don't know how to formulate that because there are so many different groups and tribes and regions and things that I'm trying to figure out how to like format all of those if I should break some up or 
we kind of go by region. I've, for a lot of the states, talked about a little bit about what tribes were there beforehand. Um, but like this timeline is going back to 2000 BC, you know, where they're farming primitive corn. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if we really need to get into that level of detail. I would just like to know the tribes and the groups that were living there, you know, when the settlers moved in. So I still need to figure out how to format the Native American episodes, but I would like to do some episodes that highlight like what was going on here before. But we are going to start with our Arizona history in the Spanish period, which starts in 1528. So there was an eight-year odyssey of Cabeza de Vaca and his shipwrecked companions, which stirred interest in American continental exploration. Again, that was 1528. In 1539, uh, Fray Marcos de Niza searches for golden cities. Uh, in 1540 to 1542, it says during a failed quest to discover the legendary seven golden cities of Cibola. Uh, I only know that word because of um, uh, national treasure. Anyway, Francisco Vasquez de Coronado claims this claims for Spain the vast lands that today encompass the American Southwest. Members of his party were the first Europeans to view the Grand Canyon. So. They knew about the Grand Canyon in like the mid 1500s. Okay, then nothing happens for about 30 years, 40 years. In 1582, Antonio de Espejo, who is a miner, enters New Mexico and Arizona looking for minerals to mine. The first colonies are established in New Mexico between 1598 and 1607 and that puts the Spanish stamp on the area. Then the city of Santa Fe is founded in 1619. And about 10 years later, Franciscans start to establish missions in Hoppyland. Uh, these are then the first Europeans to reside in Arizona. So we've heard about these missions in a lot of state histories where these like Catholic groups will come in and create a mission and try to like convert that people here. About 70 years later, in 1687 to 1711, Father Kino, K-I-N-O, establishes a mission in Pimera Alta along the Rio Santa Cruz and the Rio San Pedro. So again, more missions. Silver is discovered in 1736, and then there was the Great Pima Indian Revolt. So this really follows the trend we see with you know, lots of conflicts and violence and these little, I, I shouldn't call them little because I don't necessarily know all, all of them, but there were definitely um, small scale like battles and uh, conflicts, I should say, throughout the whole settling uh, period. So that was one of them in the 1700s. The, in 1767, the Jesuits were expelled from the Spanish realm. And then Franciscan father Garces enters Arizona. So again, a lot more Catholic uh, influence here. Juan de Anza, 
who was the explorer we talked about from Spain, who was credited with maybe coming up with the word Arizona. In 1774, he explored the route to California. And then the next year and the year after, so 1775 and 1776, uh, he takes the colonists uh, with Father Garces. He takes colonists overland to California. So um, Tucson was then established in 1776. Okay, 1781, there was the Yuma Revolt. This is another Native American conflict. Father Gar says was murdered during that um, incident. 1785 to 1821, so that's like a big time period. That's about 36 years. The Spanish troops go on the offensive, go on offensive campaigns into Apacheria. Gosh, I'm probably pronouncing, mispronouncing so many words. I'm so sorry if you're a Spanish speaker and you are trying to listen to this episode because I am not doing great on the pronunciations, but I'm out here trying. So um, then there was a, a peace treaty in 1821 with the Apaches. From 1810 to 1821 was then the Mexican War of Independence. So after 1821, when Mexico gains independence, that kicks off what is known in Arizona as the Mexican period. When Mexico had control of the Arizona land. So Mexico gains independence in 1821. The next year, trade opens between Santa Fe and St. Louis. And then Americans begin to settle in Texas as part of this. The next year in 1824, those American mountain men enter Arizona to trap beaver. So the settling is kind of expanding. Between 1835 and 1836, those two years were the Texas Revolution. And then Mexico starts offering bounties for Apache scalps. Okay, and then about nine years later, 1846 to 1848, was the U.S.-Mexican War. The Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, which we've talked about uh, a lot in these recent states because it's all kind of within the same region. When that treaty was signed, it ceded the vast Mexican territory to the U.S. So that is what ends the Mexican period of Arizona. Now we are entering the territorial period. So, gold is discovered in California. The Gila Trail uh, becomes one of the main routes to the gold fields, which cuts through part of Arizona. Then in 1850, there was a compromise of 1850. It was, um, it is, which established the territory of New Mexico, which we've talked a little bit about before, where basically these territories tended to be really, really big. So this was called the Territory of New Mexico, but it encouraged, or it, sorry, it encapsulated the current day land of Arizona. When New Mexico became a state, they essentially like shaved off, you know, a chunk and that became the state of New Mexico. Then they had to rename the remaining part of the territory. So the Compromise of 1850 is what broke New Mexico off uh, into a state and 
Oh, I'm sorry. No, the Compromise of 1850 made Arizona into a territory and it was part of the territory of New Mexico. 1852, Americans began navigating the Colorado River by steamer and the Army Corps of Topographical Engineers begins to survey Arizona. Then the next year in 1853, the Gadsden Purchase gave Arizona land from the Gila River to basically made the, the boundaries the current boundaries. So it, it Arizona used to be smaller and then land was given to make it the present boundary. In 1856, the American Dragoons, which was a cavalry, um, occupied Tucson and then Arizonans began to petition, oh my gosh, why am I like stuttering? Arizonans began to petition for separate territorial status. So the movement is starting to become their own territory and then they will later want to become their own state. Okay, stagecoach lines cross into California. There's Fort Buchanan, which is established in 1857. Um, more stage lines. Again, mid 1800s, there's a lot of infrastructure going up. Um, and in the case of Arizona, it is stage lines. Then there are gold discoveries throughout the 1860s, kind of in stages on the different rivers. Uh, Colorado River, the Gila River, and then the Bradshaw Mountains all have periods of gold discovery. 1861, the Bascom Affair pits army against uh, Chiricahua Apaches. The Civil War begins and the U.S. military posts are abandoned in Arizona, um, or in, are abandoned in Arizona portion of the New Mexico Territory. So troops are being drawn into the actual Civil War battle, and so Arizona is so far off the beaten path of basically the Civil War that some of those forts are abandoned. The Apache Wars, which I think, I don't think I've done a, an episode on the Apache Wars. I did an episode on another like kind of smaller set of wars, but I don't think they were the Apache Wars. Anyway, uh, the Apache Wars were basically happening at the exact same time as a Civil War, which I never realized, and that's kind of crazy. 1861 to 1886, oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought it was 1861 to 18, I don't know what I thought, actually. Uh, but 1866, I must have read at first. Um, but no, sorry, the Apache Wars went from 1861 to 1886. So a very, very long time, like 25 years, were the Apache Wars. Okay, in 1862, so mid-Civil War, we're kind of jumping back. You know, the Apache Wars are going on, the Civil War is going on. The Confederate States of America claims Arizona as a Confederate territory mid-Civil War. So there is actually a battle, um, the Battle at Glorieta Pass, New Mexico, ends the Confederates' westward thrust. The Confederate Army was trying to go west and claim states for the Confederacy. And that battle ended that westward push. Uh, Fort Bowie is established at Glorieta Pass and then there was a battle at Picacho Pass near Casa Grande which was called the westernmost battle of the Civil War. 
Then there is another um, group, the California Column, which occupies Arizona for the Union. So Arizona does end up being a um, kind of a hotspot in the war. Not, I shouldn't say a hotspot. It is vaguely involved in the war. People are claiming it for both sides, and there are a couple battles, but it's not obviously the main battleground of the war by any means. Uh, then there was the Battle of Apache Pass between Cal the California Column, which had claimed Arizona for the Union, and the Apaches was the largest in Arizona history. That was the largest battle in Arizona history. Okay, 1863, again, mid-Civil War, the territory of Arizona is established. So it has split off into its own territory now. Uh, Abraham Lincoln appoints Arizona territorial officials. So they have a government set up. They're actually, their first governor was supposed to be John A. Gurley, G-U-R-L-E-Y, and he was appointed and then he died before taking office, so it ended up being John N. Goodwin. The Walker Party discovers gold in the Bradshaw Mountains in 1863, which we kind of already talked about with the, you know, phases of gold discovery. And then, let's see, 1864, the territorial capital moves from its provisional site at Camp Whipple to Prescott, Arizona and the four original counties are created. The capital then moves to Tucson in 1867, and then in 1869, John Wesley Powell explores the Grand Canyon. It, throughout the 70s and 80s, open cattle, uh, open range cattle industries and silver are really what's going on in Arizona. Those are the two big industries is mining for silver and cattle. Not mining for cattle, just raisin open range cattle. I worded that incorrectly. Okay, there was something called the Camp Grant Massacre in 1871. I didn't go into too much detail about that, so I'll add it to my list of possible future little mini bonus topics. Uh, General C Crook subdues the Central Arizona Apaches and Yuvapes, so Again, more conflicts with Native Americans. A, the first territorial prison opens in 1876, and then they're moving the capital back from Tucson to Prescott. Sil more silver is discovered, more coppers discovered. A lot of the things on this timeline from here on out are like discovery of this metal, things are moving, you know, so. Um, the city of Phoenix is incorporated in 1881. There are railroads being built. Um, copper becomes the main economic industry um, and replaces gold and silver in 1888. The territorial capital again moves in 1889 from Prescott to Phoenix. And um, let's see. Phoenix is linked by rail to Northern and Southern Railroad lines. Like some of these timelines are really into the railroad expansion, but just know in the 1800s, there were a lot of railroads being built. I'm probably not gonna say every single one of them. 
Okay, construction begins on the new Capitol building in Phoenix. It was completed in 1900 and it costs about $136,000. So that was in like 1900s money, which is a lot. Okay. The, in 1903, the Salt River Water, Salt River Water Users Association is formed, which is the first of its kind in the nation. Um, now, this is interesting. In 1906, there was a referendum on joint Arizona-New Mexico statehood. That was rejected in Arizona by a vote of 16,265 to 3,141. So it was like an overwhelming defeat to have joint Arizona-New Mexico statehood. Four years later, in 1910, the Arizona Enabling Act was passed by Congress um, the Constitutional Convention meets, and the population at that point of Arizona is about 204,000. So that Enabling Act was passed by Congress. That meant, like, Arizona was going to become a state, but, you know, they have to set up the government, they have to set up their constitution, they have to get, like, things set up before they're actually a state. So it wasn't until two years later in, well, let me see what if it says, yeah, I guess it could be like maybe a year and a half later, whatever. But in 1912, Arizona joins the union on February 14th. George W.P. Hunt uh, became the first state governor. And also in that year, women gained the right to vote in Arizona. All right, uh, World War One brings an economic boom to Arizona. Unfortunately, the sad truth is war usually is really good for the economy. So Arizona was really booming in 1917. The Grand Canyon was designated as a national park by President Woodrow Wilson in 1919. In 1922, the Colorado River Compact establishes state allotments for sharing Colorado River water, which Arizona refuses to ratify. So water concerns and water rights are a big thing with the rivers. Route 66 is completed in Arizona in 1926 and then obviously 1929 nationwide is the Great Depression. All right, 1930, this is an interesting one. Pluto is discovered. It was discovered from um, Arizona. It was discovered from the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff which that was not really, I mean, it was a hundred years ago, almost 93 years ago. That seems kind of recent to be like discovering Pluto. That's crazy. So, and can you imagine being the astronomer who, <laughs> who discovered that where like you've been, you know, there's been astronomers for hundreds of years who are just looking up and you probably think they have a pretty good sense of like what's in our own solar system and you discover Pluto, you must be like, surely this has been tracked before but i don't see it anywhere <laughs> i don't know i feel like the, the people who make these huge discoveries like do you do they really have the confidence to be like yes i have fully discovered something new or do they do what i feel like i would do and kind of talk myself out of the fact that i just discovered something new <laughs> and you know i don't know side note okay hoover dam uh, is dedicated 
that is on the Colorado River in 1936. The Luke Air Force Base was named in honor of Phoenix native Frank Luke Jr., who was a fighter pilot killed in action during World War I. That was in 1941 that that was uh, named. Uh, In 1942, Poston and Gila River Japanese internment camps are established. This is still the craziest thing in, well, I can't say it's the craziest thing in our history. There has been a lot of crazy things in our history. I still cannot believe this happened. Every time Japanese internment camps are brought up, I feel like it's just insane that that happened like so recently too you know and maybe it's because I've been kind of desensitized to like all the other bad things that happened in in history like you hear about a lot of things that happened in history I feel like the Japanese internment camp thing is not brought up enough that was terrible and I can't believe that actually happened and you know maybe just a few short months ago I would say like I don't know how we would ever get to that point again I really don't know how we would get to that point again. Well, seeing the aftermath or like the the fallout of this Israel-Palestine, all the events happening in the Middle East right now, I can totally get how that's what happened again. The things that are happening like in the world right now are scary and people are not treating other people like literal humans at all. Like in the U.S., you know, there are these marches that are calling for just, I won't get into it, but there are just these terrible marches and people calling for terrible things to their fellow Americans who are of a different race. And it's like, oh, that's how that happens. You know, I see how it would happen now. So it's just terrible. But literally, I feel like... I feel like we don't I don't hear about like the Japanese internment camps that much and it's just crazy that it was so recent and we were fighting with another country and so we're like hey everyone here we're gonna put you in a camp and we're gonna violate all your rights and we're gonna like imprison you for no reason crazy it's kind of like the well, I don't know. We've gone on enough of a tangent here. So let me just continue with the historical timeline. Okay. 1946, Arizona right to work becomes effective. Industrial development and manufacturing take on new importance, especially in Arizona. And then again, World War II brings a surge of population to Arizona and a surge to the economy. Uh, 1948, Motorola builds the first plant in Phoenix, which is kind of the beginning of this new industry in Arizona, which is high-tech. Arizona Indians then gained the right to vote in 1948. Again, these things just seem to happen so late. Like, I cannot believe it was 1948 before Arizona Indians got the right to vote. That's insane. Um, 1950, the election of Governor Howard Pyle gives rise to the Republican Party. Uh, let's see. By the late 1900s, most of these timelines include things that are just really not important. 
Um, so, okay, 1963, Arizona wins a Supreme Court decision in contest with California over share of Colorado water, Colorado River water. Hopes are revived for a central Arizona project to bring water from the Colorado to central Arizona. Obviously, Arizona, we just went over, is in a desert, so they want to bring water into central Arizona. Legislative reapportionment, which is one man, one vote, happens in 1966. It says legislative districts reapportioned to present to represent an equal number of people. The Republican Party gains control of the legislature for the first time. Miranda versus Arizona Supreme Court case results in the Miranda warning, where police are required to inform criminal suspects of their right to remain silent before questioning. So when a police officer reads someone their Miranda rights, that is a case that was um, originated by the Arizona Supreme Court. Okay, the Central Arizona Project, which we talked about bringing water to Central Arizona, is signed by Lyndon B. Johnson, who was president at the time, in 1968. Construction begins on that in 1973. Um, let's see if there's anything more important in here. The first water deliveries from that project um, are, are delivered in 1985. The first female governor um, is instated in 1988 after the impeachment of the former governor, Governor Evan Meckham. Arizona voters approve of Martin Luther King Jr. slash Civil Rights Day as a paid state holiday. Diamondbacks win the World Series in 2001. John McCain wins the Republican nomination for president. He is defeated in the general election. General election by Obama in 2008, and then John McCain dies in 2018. Um, oh, and then I guess the only other one in there is, um, oh, okay, 2013, well, there's a couple more. In 2013, lightning ignites a wildfire in Yarnell, Arizona that claims the lives of 19 members of the Granite Mountain Hotshots Wildland Firefighter Team. I was just talking to my husband about this like a month ago about how we watched a movie about the hotshots in Arizona where they basically all died fighting this fire and going in the front lines and really sad movie. But if I'm remembering right, it's inspiring, I think. I don't think they would have made it if it was not inspiring. I think they went like out of their way to go into the fire more to fight and contain it so it wouldn't kill more people. If I'm remembering right, I'm realizing I'm so bad at remembering movie plots, but I think that was the plot. So they were like these heroes that died in the line of duty. Um, but it has um, the guy who was just in Top Gun. Oh my gosh, this is turning into a terrible story because I can't remember the name of the movie or the guy, the actor. <laughs> um, Anyway, look it up. It's called the Granite Mountain Hotshots, and it was a firefighting team, and you will find that. Um, 2014, Arizona recognizes same-sex marriage after a federal ruling overturns the state ban. They say the state ban is unconstitutional. 
and then John McCain dies in 2018. So that is what was on the timeline, the historical timeline. You now know the history of Arizona. So the other couple things I like to run through, the first one is famous people from Arizona. So let's just run through a list really quick. Emma Stone is from Arizona. Um, Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park. He is from there. Stevie Nicks. Shawn Michaels, who is a wrestler. It says wrestler, actor, and television presenter. Joe Jonas, who's been in the news quite a lot recently. Uh, let's see. Some of these people I just don't know, so sorry if I'm kind of going uh, slowly. Haley Baldwin, now Haley Bieber, is from Arizona. Haley Lou Richardson, who I don't really know. Barbara Eden, Cesar Chavez, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's a football player. Jordan Sparks, American Idol. She's from Arizona. It's funny, some of these I would think, like, let's put them in order of relevance or, like, you know, what people would know. And maybe this, this is in order of relevance and it's just not my same list, like my crossover, because I don't know a lot of these people. But I will link the article, so if you want to know who else is from Arizona, you can go look at the list. Okay, let's talk about state symbols. Now, I found an article that talks about state symbols from, I think it's from worst to best. So there are 19 Arizona state symbols. And so we are gonna go through what they, this ArizonaCentral.com article thinks is the worst to the best. So state color was designated in 1912. It is gold, or sorry, blue and gold. It says there's nothing necessarily wrong with blue and gold. I'll paraphrase our argument for why it's the worst. There's nothing technically wrong with blue and gold, but it's also California's state colors. And, you know, they argue that it could have been purple for like Arizona sunsets, but no, we just had to choose the same colors as California. Okay, state songs. There are two state songs. One was designated in 1919 and one was designated in 1982. The first song is called the Arizona March. And um, then the second one, which was like a backup state song, was just called Arizona, AKA I Love You Arizona. And this just says neither one is anyone's first choice at a karaoke bar, which is fair. The state amphibian is uh, was adopted in 1986. It was the Arizona tree frog. Um, so yeah, kind of just boring it seems. State seal was chosen in 1912. I won't won't really go over too much, but. It just has a lot. They say it's overly cluttered. It has mountains, orchards, cattle, a quartz mill. They just say, yeah, it's overly cluttered. It's got too much going on. And it also ignores the Grand Canyon, which is very interesting. So, um, okay. The state fish is the Apache trout. And this was ranked 15th on the list because it is found in just one place in the world. The cold water streams of Arizona's White Mountains. Um, there's no better reason to have a state fish if you insist on having a state fish at all. Okay, so 
it's just kind of there. It is native to Arizona. So, ergo, that is our state fish. A state butterfly in 2001, uh, was adopted in 2001. And it is the two-tailed swallowtail. Um, yeah, not much to say about that one. The state motto, again, God enriches. Um, it was... Yeah, nothing to say on that one really either. These middle ones, there's not a lot of commentary on why it was in the middle. It's just kind of, eh. Okay. Um, the Sonorosaurus is the state dinosaur. It was designated in 2018. The state reptile is the rattlesnake. Um, it's more specifically the Arizona ridge-nosed rattlesnake. There is a state firearm. It says, welcome to the most politically charged state symbol. It is a Colt single action army revolver. The state drink is lemonade, which sounds very good in the Arizona sun. The state gemstone is turquoise, which makes a whole lot of sense. The state tree is the palo verde. It says, whether watered sparingly in a front yard or largely ignored in strip mall parking lot, the palo verde can always be counted on for sparse, largely ineffective shade. <laughs> the state metal is copper. Again, it's like the biggest industry in Arizona. The state mammal is the, um, wait, it's the ringtail. So it says with big cartoon eyes and pointy ears and raccoon-like tail, the ringtail may be, well be America's most adorable state symbol. The state bird is the cactus wren. The state fossil is... Okay, I don't love this article, but I'm trying to read on the fly because it like buries the state, the actual name of the symbol in a big paragraph. Um, I think it's just petrified wood is the state fossil. Um, the state flower is the uh, cactus. Hold on. Listen to this paragraph. Since Arizona has not seen fit to designate any official state succulent, the majestic saguaro is recognized only for its blossom. So it's the saguaro. Okay, sorry. That was like hidden in the sentences. But anyway. Then there's the state neckwear, which is the best one. That is ranked as best on the list, and that is the bolo tie. Very, um, you know, it's it's very apt for that region. It I like those state symbols because it really describes like the personality of the state. You know, I can get behind a bolo tie. I like the unique state symbols. Okay, and the last thing we're going to talk about is things to do in Arizona when you're here. Number one is the Canyon de Shelley, C-H-E-L-L-Y National Monument, which is like these two huge rock uh, formations, like rock towers, which is cool. Walnut Canyon is a good one. Obviously, I'm just going to say the Grand Canyon should be number one. They put this third on the list. I'm not sure why, but definitely go to the Grand Canyon. 
There's the Antelope Canyon, which I feel like I've seen a lot of like Instagram influencers in, which is kind of, it looks like sandstone, like a uh, striped red caves. That is Antelope Canyon, it looks super cool. Tons of, really just tons of nature. The Wupatki National Monument is there, which is like um, ruins, I believe, of, it's home to some of the best preserved Pueblo ruins in the country. So if you're like into archeology, span that's a very good one. Sedona is a good place to visit. And I, again, I will link all of these down below because they give a lot of more details and other links about each one of these places. And the last one I'll mention is the Petrified Forest National Park. That's why Petrified Wood is the national fossil. So really, really cool. Some of these petrified wood, um, some of the petrified wood you can see. So, but this article lists 35 things to do. A lot of them are nature-based, but some of them are not if you're more like wanting to go and see the cities and stuff. So anyway, lots more information we had. Check out the link in the, the show description below. So anyway, though, that is all for Arizona. That is all for the history, the state, fun things to do, all of that. I hope you learned a lot. I know I did. Kind of makes me want to go to Arizona in the wintertime and just explore. I, my grandparents tried to be snowbirds for like one year in Arizona and um, we went in November. My cousin and I went and visited them in November and the weather was perfect. Like literally perfect. I absolutely loved Arizona winter. Now I don't think I went in the summer. I did drive uh, Route 66 coming back um, like moving them back, I think. And, but I think it was like in the spring maybe. So anyway, that is all for Arizona. Let me know in the poll or in the question below what your favorite thing to do in Arizona is, or any topics that you would like to see me go over, mostly history-based or faith-based. We could dip into politics, but I don't know who wants to hear that. <laughs> You've probably heard enough politics in the rest of your uh, feed. So I'll leave you with that. I will see you next week for another episode. Bye everyone.